Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn. And today we have a guest with a fascinating story that delves into one of the greatest unknowns of the American West, the location of the Lost Dutchman Mine in Arizona. You might remember we did an episode on the story of the Lost Dutchman Mine last year, and it remains as one of our top ten most listened to episodes. So I know we have a lot of followers who are interested in this story. Arizona's full of legends and stories of gold, and the legend of the Lost Dutchman Mine combines a number of different versions, all of which leave room for doubt, and all of which may or may not contain a morsel of truth. In this legend, there's a lot of smoke, and where there's smoke, there's usually fire. With the Lost Dutchman legend, there was a German miner named Jacob Waltz back around 1860 who either mined or found a catch of gold somewhere outside of Phoenix, and probably within sight of the Superstition Mountains. He had to come to town to buy supplies, and he paid for them with high-grade gold nuggets. There have been a number of maps, and even carved stones called the Peralta Stones, which supposedly lead to a huge catch of gold. Apache legend tells of gold and efforts by Spanish, Mexican, and white men to find it. There have been a number of men who have died searching for this fabled treasure. Some people claim to have found it, but no one has shown any proof or pictures. The federal government and the state government of Arizona have strict laws governing what you can take out of the ground and where you can and can't look. It takes a major effort to get permission. Many treasure seekers have targeted the Superstition Mountains outside of Phoenix, but these mountains, as well as the canyons that lead into them, have proven to be extremely hot and dangerous. Busloads of people go missing or end up having to be rescued every year out there, despite warnings, and we'll discuss some of that today. Get ready for a very interesting interview as we try to put you on the right track to solving one of America's greatest mysteries, the location of the Lost Dutchman Mine. Recently, we received a direct message on our 1001 Heroes Facebook page from Brian McDonough. It read in part, There I was, sitting in my chair. I was reading about gold mining history on my cell phone. A pop-up picture of the Peralta Stones appears on my phone. This was the trail map of the Peralta Stones. I instantly recognized the heart shape on top of the thumb, on top of a 90-degree intersection of two lines, which are actually two rivers. I was overwhelmed by the possibility that I had found something that over 100 people had died searching for. The most sought-after treasure in the United States. Three Spanish treasure maps that have been in Arizona museums for decades. The possible burial site of two separate priceless treasures over a time period of hundreds of years. I have solved the Peralta Stones, the Peralta Deerskin map, and the Peralta Burbridge map of 1753. I have found the Lost Dutchman Peralta Gold Mines. You can Google the Lost Treasure Magazine June 2016 cover story. That's my story. I believe it is possible that this miles-long, centuries-old gold mine was responsible for the legends of El Dorado and Cibola. Welcome, Brian McDonough, to 1001 Heroes. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you, John? Very good. Thank you. Please share with us a little bit about your background and how you came across what you feel is the solution to the maps to the location of the Peralta treasure. Well, I, it all began with uh, me metal detecting beaches in Hawaii, where I grew up. I, it, it started uh, out as metal detecting hobby. And when I moved to Arizona, I found out from someone that you could metal detect for gold nuggets here. 
So I bought a Fisher Gold Bug for five hundred dollars uh, in nineteen eighty nine, and I took when I bought the detector, the prospecting store that I bought it from offered me a prospecting an electronic prospecting class for thirty dollars. I took the class and it was taught on the river where I found the Lost Dutchman Peralta gold mine. I spent 30 years on that river. I, I joined some prospecting clubs and I befriended quite a few of the gold miners on the river who've been there for decades. So I got free access to a lot of claims and I, I found 22 gold nuggets on the river. I never looked for the Lost Dutchman gold mine for two seconds of my life. Um, but for 30 years, the river that I, I prospected on, uh, I had memorized it by using Google Earth, by planning trips ahead of time where I was going to go prospecting. I would look at Google Earth, and I memorized the river inadvertently. And three years ago, I'm sitting in my living room here in Arizona in Fountain Hills, and a picture of the Peralta Stones comes up on my cell phone. I had never really looked at these Spanish maps or done much research, but I knew they were supposed to be the maps to the Lost Dutchman gold mine. So I looked at the lines on the map, and it took me about five seconds to to realize I was looking at something I was familiar with. Huh. I noticed a, a heart-shaped piece, a heart shape, a thumb, and a 90-degree intersection. And I had been parking my car for 30 years in, in that exact place on the trail map of the Peralta Stones. So I, you know, I, I fell out of my chair when I thought I may have found this place. Uh, it took me about five seconds to realize I knew where these maps led to. I, I spent the next two days doing research in my home. I, gave, I, I took off from work. I set up computer screens, laptops, handheld devices, and basically, I had the, the Peralta maps on one screen, and I had Google Earth on the other. And everything on the Peralta stones lined up perfectly. I didn't find the Peralta deerskin map till uh, after the story was published in Lost Treasure magazine. It made the, the front page of the magazine's 50th anniversary. But uh, I, I had not found the Peralta Burr Bridge map. By the, uh, un until the article was published. After the article was published about solving the Peralta stones and the Peralta deerskin map, I found the Peralta Burbridge map online, and it was dated 1753. So that was one of the most significant discoveries was the Burbridge map. It, it actually dated the mine, uh, 265 years old, and it was probably a lot older than that map. Uh, it was a map of established mines, so it's at least 300 years old, this Peralta gold mine. Wow. The, Peralta, the Peraltas called it Minas Sombreros, the Sombrero gold mines. And there's a reason for that. There's a, a land formation out there that's a significant part of this legend uh, that, that is why they named it uh, after a hat. But I solved the Peralta stones and the deerskin. Lost Treasure put my story on in their magazine, and, but the, the problem is, uh, I'm, I'm getting a lot of pushback here in Arizona. You know, no one will acknowledge it, even though a lot of important people have contacted me. Uh, the president of ASU contacted me on Facebook, called my discovery a find. Secretary of State said, oh my gosh, this is absolutely fascinating. 
the state geologists contacted me, a whole bunch of people, but none of them are willing to uh, make it public because it's a very political discovery. Um, it's what? not in the Superstition Mountains. So that uh. right there makes it very political. Now, you spent years prospecting. Were you, when, you, when you were prospecting on that river, is that a river that flows into or near the Superstition Mountains, or is it not? It is not. It's about mm-hmm. 70 miles away. Okay. And I, I spent years prospecting, every type of prospecting, uh, crevicing, dredging, dry washing, metal detecting, and it was a, f- a fun hobby. I loved it. It was a way to get out. But I, you know, I was never planning on finding this lost mine. Exactly. So it was a stroke of luck that I found this place. Since you have unlocked the key to finding this place, have you been there? I, I've spent 30 years right there in the maps prospecting for gold, finding gold nuggets. Um, there's some real old-timer gold, mi- gold miners on that river, you know, guys that go way back and are really good at gold mining, and they own federal mining claims. I solved the maps by accident. I was never trying to solve this legend. But once I realized I had found the place three years ago, I basically stopped prospecting for gold and spent the rest of my time doing research on the legend, on the history of the Peraltas and the Spanish and the Jesuits and the legend of the treasure of the Church of Santa Fe. Uh, movies like Lust for Gold with Glenn Ford is, a, is a, basically a documentary on the legend. Six History Channel documentaries that aired in 30 countries. They never found anything. But the, mo- the six History Channel documentaries uh, were a- almost all about the Peraltas and the Peralta Stones. We'll return to our interview right after this message from our sponsor. And now, back to our show. How has your opinion changed of the reality of those legends from when you were spending those years prospecting and finding gold along that river. At that time, did you believe that the Peralta stones and the rest of the legend were just pretty much not really true? And, and then, it, then it just hit you all of a sudden that, wait a minute, these things could very well be real? Well, it's funny you should ask that. Uh, you know, I, the, the guys in the prospecting store, I was still a greenie. I was still pretty green here in Arizona. And I said, should I go to the superstitions when I bought my detector? And they said, uh, there's not much gold out there. And they sent me to a, a different area. So I knew from the, from the beginning that there wasn't a lot of geologic gold in the Superstition Mountains. And it was very unlikely that there would be a centuries-old, rich Spanish gold mine there that Jacob Waltz could fill his saddlebags filled with gold. Uh, so that place has never been found. The only few mines that have been worked in the superstitions really were played out, and they didn't have enough gold to support them. There's fine gold. Not a whole lot of nuggets found in the superstitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, the one thing I should have started off with is that the legend of the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine, there is only one legend. Uh, there, it, and that legend is that Jacob Waltz, 130 years ago, found the Peralta Mines. There is no other legend. You cannot rewrite this story without the Peraltas. It's what the movie Lust for Gold is about. It's what, it's what the legend is, that he found this ancient Spanish gold mine. One of the clues that he passed down, uh, word of mouth, 
was the tumbled ruins of old Spanish cabins. Right. And we have found those cabins and those ruins, and they go for several miles. This was a massive Spanish gold mine over 300 years old that could go back as far as 500. Now, some of the guys I work with believe that it's possible that this was where Montezuma got a lot of his gold. I've read where the Apache were a distant tribe of Montezuma. There's a lot of people, famous people, that are supposedly connected to this mine, including Coronado and Cortez, uh, Montezuma, the Apache, uh, Geronimo, and uh, the Peraltas and Conquistadors, so, and the Jesuits. So it's a real, a whole bunch of different people were at this mine throughout the centuries. And, yeah. and we still don't know, we don't know all the answers. We really don't. But we believe the history goes back to Spain and Valencia, Spain, and then back to Rome and the Vatican. Yes, uh, just last year, I interviewed author Don Yates about his book, Merchant Adventurer, Kings of Rhoda, The Lost World of the Tucson Artifacts, about the ancient uh, Roman civilization that existed where, where Tucson now stands. But this was back around the year between 700 and 850 A.D. Yes, if you just Google Roman swords found near Tucson, mm -hmm. you can read some fascinating stuff. You know, the, the words on, on, on the Latin heart of the Peralta stone maps are pretty very old Latin. Uh, Noto triangulum, domus, caverna orum, medulla. And there's a, there's a cartoon drawing of what is supposedly the expulsion of the Jesuits. 25% of all Peraltas on planet Earth are Italian. Uh, the, there's a town in New Mexico called Peralta. It's in Valencia County. We have the Peralta gold claim from 1878 for the Valenciana gold mine. Mm -hmm. So the Peraltas had an affinity for the name Valencia. And we believe it goes back to when Rome conquered the port city of Valencia, Spain. Yeah. And they still have some kind of pride about that. Mm -hmm. But their history goes back to Rome, the Peraltas. And uh, it's just, there's a lot of stuff yet to be unraveled. I am a, I'm a cab driver. This stuff is way, uh, it's, it's a little out of my league. Well, you, not, you know. you've, you've definitely entered the, the, the category of historian here, too, because you're learning a tremendous amount about what went on out in that area and region. Uh, and I'll bet you picked up a ton of history. It's it, oh, we have guys on our team now. We have some uh, mountain men and mountain men historians that have. One of the guys I'm with, my main partner, has 150 tre buried treasure stories, and their locations here in Arizona, and just incredible stuff, real stories of uh, stagecoach robberies, bank robberies. You know, and where the money went, where it was lost, who took it, Apache stuff. This state is so full of history. It is incredible. And a lot of it is a Phoenix area and north of Phoenix, up in the Bradshaws and Prescott and Sedona. The stagecoach routes, are, the, the roads, stagecoach roads are still there. Wow. I mean, you can walk. And there's just so much history. Many, one thing that a lot of researchers find when they start looking up the story of the uh, Lost Dutchman Mine and the Peraltas is that a lot of people have challenged the presence of the Peraltas in Arizona. Uh, James Rivas, 
the swindler, was said to be responsible uh, for making that connection, which never really existed, according to these critics. What do you believe? Obviously, you believe the Peraltas were in Arizona and did make their presence there from an early time, correct? Yes. Well, if you watch Vincent Price play James Rivas in the Hollywood film The Baron of Arizona, which you can watch on YouTube, that movie is about the Peralta land grant and, uh, case, and that's what James Rivas was involved in. We have documents from, from that. But uh, if you watch the movie, you'll get a pretty accurate uh, telling of what happened, how uh, James Rivas married Sofia de Peralta to get access to her land grant uh, from the King of Spain that would have basically given him the land from Luke Air Force Base in West Phoenix to Santa Fe, New Mexico. He was about to own the whole state. They tried to lynch him. Uh, the, cow, the, you know, the local people here tried to lynch him a couple times and hang him because you know, they didn't believe that he had a, a valid land grant. And the federal government came in, took him to court, and you'll see the court proceedings in the movie with Vincent Price. Uh, and they, they throw him in prison for two years, and they claim that he invented the Peraltas. Now, what's funny here is the first people I went to when I discovered the Peralta mines was the federal government. See, that's why I'm a cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> so the feds know about this. They know we found the, Fed, the Peralta mines, and, and basically I'm still alive, so they haven't tried to kill me yet. <laughs> well, that's a positive. Um, they, they, the, the feds claim that James Rivas went to Spain, became a monk, got access to the king's locked-up records, record books that the king wrote himself, the king, the ancient old kings of Spain who wrote the Peralta land grant. They claim that he became a monk in a monastery and rewrote the king's history books and then scooted back up to Arizona, <laughs> which is a little far-fetched. Yeah, Rivas had quite so, a Rivas had quite a swindler history. Uh, uh, went all, all the way back to his Civil War experience. He was a lowlife. You know, I hate to say it, yeah. but even though the land grant may have been true, he deserved to be in jail. Because yeah. when he married Sofia de Peralta, she was like ten or twelve years old. He and he was an old dude, and so it was a little creepy. You'll yeah. see that in the movie. Yeah, well, uh, the casting got it right because I saw his picture, and he does look a lot like Vincent Price. <laughs> So uh, they, so they got it right. I'm hoping you can explain to our listeners one at a time what are the Peralta stones, and we'll start with that one, and then describe what the Peralta deerskin map was, and then what the Peralta Burbridge map was. Let's start with the Peralta stones. Explain that for our listeners. Uh, the Peralta stones were found near Florence about 70 years ago, out in the desert, by a retired New York uh, police officer who was. Uh, came out west, and uh, it's a funny story. I've heard different versions of it, but basically his son and he uh, stopped at a gas station to use the restroom, and the place was closed, so they, they walked out into the desert a little bit, and that's where they found the Peralta stones. Um, some people, a lot of people have claimed that the, the stones are fake, and that it's a big scam. And it's very possible that these maps were remade by the, by the guy who found them in his garage. A lot of people claim that, that he had the tools and they found power tools. Even one of his kids said he saw his dad carving stuff. Yeah. But 
I've read that too. And, and I've heard a story where he got drunk one night a long time ago, and he broke the stones. He was so mad at something that it, that the government wasn't acknowledging them or something. He broke them, and so I've heard that. Anyway, basically, to me, it doesn't even matter if he remade these stones in his garage because these stone maps are maps to a real place. Right. And it is virtually it is virtually impossible that all the information on this huge set of stone maps and this location we have found, it's virtually impossible that these maps are not the maps to this place. Even the word domus is written directly above the ruins of a Spanish church. Uh, the, the mining tailings are drawn on one of the hearts. Uh, everything is there. It's, it's basically too much to be a coincidence. And then you throw in the fact that there are centuries-old Spanish ruins there. And then you throw in the deerskin map, which is also a map to the same exact rivers and forks. Uh, it's, so we, we have found the place. I know it's... There's so many people on the internet. You can Google the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine and see 20 different sites that say, we have found the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, they say 130-something people have claimed to. Well, unfortunately, they're all wrong because we found minus sombreros. We found the ruins, their documents. We found their descendants in, in uh, Prescott and Santa Fe, New Mexico. My partner is actually connected to the Peralta family. And he has documents of the Peraltas uh, from the 1800s. We found everything. But it's really hard to, to get that out when the 100 other, 130 other people claim to have found it. Now, all the guys in Apache Junction who were on the History Channel and they're, they're kind of legends in their own right, these, we, we, took, we invited them to join us right off the bat because we knew they had spent a good part of their lives and, and money looking for this place. So we were really nice. You know, we invited them in. And what we got was a spy, basically, that joined our team. And we, these guys in Apache Junction will not acknowledge this discovery, even though it's been published on the front page of Lost Treasure magazine. They will never mention the article in the magazine. And they, you know, I gave a lecture at the Lost Dutchman Rendezvous. Before I stood up to speak, they pulled all the cameras down. <laughs> and these guys are in a concerted effort to cover up the real story. Why is uh, that? I was, to try and keep people from finding it or what? Oh, there, there's a whole bunch of people trying to fight me on this. So I, I, have, I had a meeting with an archaeologist in the basement of the Mason Museum of Natural History. He was a professor at ASU. And he started... When he realized they had found the mine, he got a, he got really weird on me in the basement of the museum, and started cursing and and I told him you know just show me the door. So he throws me out the garbage entrance. By the time I get to my car, my cell phone's ringing, and it's a Mesa police officer telling me that I've been trespassed from the Mesa Museum of Natural History because I solved the stones that have been in their display for decades. These pompous uh, historians and archaeologists in this town cannot swallow the fact that it's been found. Now, after my story was published in Lost Treasure magazine, I called Tom Wilson, the curator to the museum, and I told him, look, Tom, my story's been published. You know, I could go get a lawyer right now and, and you know, come after you guys for, for humiliating me and uh, accusing me of criminal, you know, 
being uh, committing a crime, you know, being making threats. That's what they accused me of. And I, I'm, I'm licensed at the airport. I have uh, Homeland Security clearance at the airport for, for decades. I'm a family man. I own my own business. I don't threaten anybody. So after my story is published, I call the curator and he says, come on down. You come on down to the museum anytime. I, I remove the thing, the, the trespass. So I go to the museum and all the Spanish maps are gone. So the archaeologists and the historians in this town are—I uh, don't know, man. I, I can't—I I can't really say it <laughs> on the air, but they—they—they're uh, a little—I don't know what it is. Jealousy, envious, um, because it's an archaeological site. I, I call this the most significant archaeological discovery in the United States in 50 to 100 years. Uh, a three to 500-year-old Spanish gold mine with a fortress with gun turrets uh, that could possibly be Sibola or El Dorado or Petiti, which is called in the Vatican, in the paperwork in the Vatican. Uh, it's mm-hmm. basically, me, this place has five names. Los Dutchman, minus Sombreros, Petiti, Sibola, the seventh lost city of gold, and El Dorado. As, you know, I call me crazy, but I believe it's possible, within possibility, that this this site and these ancient Spanish maps are what are responsible for the legend of El Dorado. It's, it's very possible. The time period is, is just right. And uh, the fact, if you Google uh, a conquistador named Peralta, you'll read about Sergeant Peralta, who was on the Dianza expedition. There are Peralta Museum adobes in San Diego tell the story of the Peraltas coming on, Sergeant Peralta coming on the Gianza expedition with an Apache. And, and this site was sacred to the Apache, was in Apache country. The Peralta massacre took place at this mine, at the fortress. Um, there's so much, I could go on for days. There's just so much to this story. And we don't even know the half of it. It's a mystery, a history mystery it's never, it's been a myth up until now. It, it's reached the point where it's almost a local joke. Uh, when you tell someone, have you heard about the Lost Dutchman? Oh, yeah, yeah, ha, ha, ha. So uh, it's a myth. And, and believe it or not, this myth was real. It's a true story. The mine exists, and it was huge. It had hundreds, if not a, a thousand or more men working it three, four hundred years ago. Now, I've got a question uh, for you. Now, yes. Old Jacob Waltz, his last home was on the river, on a river, outside of the Superstition Mountains. And he was flooded, from what I understand. He lost his home. Uh, I think a woman found him up in a tree, barely alive, and escorted him yeah. back to uh, safety. But I think he got pneumonia from that experience, and that kind of was the onset to his death. Is that story true? And on the place where he was living, is that near where you believe this um, access to this uh, area is? Uh, no, he lived in Phoenix as he got older. Okay. Uh, there are there's documentation by Mormon uh, store owners in in the newspapers of the time. They're still in libraries where he would come into some of these stones stores owned by the Mormons and buy buy goods uh, with gold nuggets. Right. Even in his, his old age, uh, he kind of retired in Phoenix. Uh, in his old age, he died in his in ninety. I think it was ninety one or ninety two. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the place where he lived, the the farm that he had in Phoenix, 
was nowhere near mine. Okay. Mine was at least uh, 45, 55 miles away from where he lived. Where is your location with relation to the Superstition Mountains? Uh, according to the old, the old days and the uh, the Native Americans, I'm living in the Superstitions right now. I live in a town called Fountain Hills that used to be on the maps part of the Superstition Mountain Range, but uh, in recent times they they changed the names. They they cut everything up in pieces. But I can see Weaver's Needle from where I live. Mm-hmm. I can see the Superstitions from from my street right here right in my backyard. Now, I, you, I've never gone out in the superstitions for five minutes looking for gold or the Dutchman. It's, it's very dangerous in there, isn't it? Don't they say it gets extremely hot down in those canyons? It's extremely dangerous. Uh, the, the state historian Marshall Trimble says over 100 people in the last 130 years have died looking for the mine. Yeah. In the last, uh, in the last six years, four or five guys have died they just rescued 43 people from Wichita, Kansas, and you can Google the story. Uh, they were rescued on Flatiron Trail. Two of them nearly died and had to be airlifted to the hospital. They all ran out of water, mm. and I found the posts, and they were looking for the Lost Dutchman gold, gold mine that day. 43 people? people? What is it, a busload? 43 in one trip from Genesis Fitness out of Wichita, Kansas. You can Google the story. From a fitness center. <laughs> yes. But it's not just them. It's it's a lot of other people. And the, the problem with the guys in Apache Junction who are trying to snuff out my discovery by ignoring it is that more people are going to die looking for the mine. Yeah. And that's what really bugs me most of all. You know, I'm going to tell you on top of this, there are two treasures that are supposed to be buried at the mine. If you watch the movie Lust for Gold, you'll see the Apache bury one of the two treasures 170 years ago in the Peralta Massacre. It's in the movie. The second treasure is called the Treasure of the Church of Santa Fe, and it was supposed to be buried at the mine by the Jesuits uh, many centuries ago, way before the Peralta Massacre. Was that Father Kino? Father, it could have been Father Kino. If you Google Father Kino silver bars and hit images, You'll see pictures of silver bars with his name, the Jesuit cross, and the dates. Hmm. So the, the, it's common knowledge that the, the Jesuits were really good miners and very intelligent and very wealthy. But uh, this is this is really an incredible story that, that has so many different angles and peoples and uh, religions and, and you know Native Americans. It's, it's just incredible. On the Peralta deerskin map, at the top of the map, they wrote the word Apache, and they wrote it there as a warning to themselves that they were in Apache country. And sure enough, uh, the Apache were their demise uh, in the end, in in the Peralta massacre. That's that's one of the reasons this mine was never made a part of history. It's because all of the people who mined it, who would come back to civilization, were killed. 170 years ago. So it was lost. Even even the, the relatives of the Peraltas did not know where this mine was, even though all the miners were killed. Legend has it that uh, that that Peralta massacre, the way the legend tells it, happened in the canyons that lead into the Superstition Mountains, and that that was a mule train, that the that there was part of an expedition, but the Peraltas were not with that expedition. It was it was it was their enterprise. But the Apaches attacked this particular mule train, I guess, as they were leaving with a shipment. 
and that uh, the mules were slaughtered, but the saddlebags survived. And years later, men found the saddlebags with the quartzite gold uh, in those bags. Is there any truth to that legend or the location of where, it, where the massacre took place? It is very possible, unless it was some kind of government plant. Uh, it is very likely because the Peraltas did go through the, the Superstition Mountains down through Florence, through Casa Grande, ah. to Sonora, to Sonora. And that's one of the reasons the Peralta stones were found down south of the Superstitions near Florence. But we know their trails from the mine across North Phoenix, down through the Superstitions. We, we have a document from the 1800s that states the true name of Casa Grande, and it's Peraltos Casablanca. Huh. And it was built for the Peraltas and the Jesuits way back when okay uh so the, yes the story of the massacre there's a trail in the superstitions called massacre trail where they found these skulls and the saddlebags some of the skulls had gold fillings which indicated that they were uh mexican ar- aristocrats or yeah. higher up mm-hmm. uh yes very possible because for hundreds of years the, the peraltas went back through the superstitions to get back home. And that's part of the legend that this was handed down for generations. And sometimes they would get attacked by the Apache in different areas. And that probably was a massacre ground. There's a massacre trail in the superstition mountains where they found uh, these skeletons. But the real mine, the real rich, fabulously rich gold, it did not come from the superstition mountains. That was their trail home. Now, what has prevented you from entering the mines where you know them to be and extracting the gold? Is there state laws to prevent you from doing that or what? Yeah, there are. We went to the feds, like I said. They said if we dig it up, they come and get it and decide what we get. Uh, And, again, I'm going to mention the fact that I'm a cab driver with two boys, and I don't have a a lot of money. I got you. It takes money. The guys I'm with, we're, we're... talking about digging it up and uh we've we've been approached by quite a few uh, people for documentaries but a lot of them have turned out to be uh not so good so we're kind of in limbo right now but there's a group of us that are that are planning to do this dig uh that's about all i can tell you about that okay right do you think the history channel got it right or any part of it right Oh, they got the stones. The fact that the stones are significant and that Spanish maps and the Peraltas are the story, they got that right. The legend is that Jacob Waltz found minus sombreros 130 years ago, and they got that right. And they they talk about the Peralta stones in that documentary series uh, quite a bit. But now, if you go to their videos that they're doing now, uh, I'll give you ten bucks if you can hear one of them mention the Peralta stones. Uh, they they just you, you don't hear. In fact, you rarely even hear talk about the Dutchmen anymore, or the Peraltas, or the, the maps. You hear about other history, other types of history, and uh, so they know I found it. They just don't know what to do, and, and it, I'm shocked because you you think want, they would want to uh, send out another expedition. And, and and bring you in as a part of that. Well, I don't know. We know where everything is. We spent several years. I, I uh, 
in my business, one of my customers brought me a, a Polaris, spent 30 grand just to give me a Polaris, a trailer, just to get out to the site and do the research. So for two years, we photo uh, documented all the ruins. We, we searched, wow. we, we, we tried to figure out where the treasures are buried and we have solved it. We know where, we know where this stuff is. And it's, it's not an easy, simple job. I'll just put it that way. It's going to take I got you. Uh, a lot of equipment, dozens of men, permits, a treasure trove permit. And, uh, it, you know, so it's either do it that way or do it uh, the old-fashioned way and just go out and dig it up. I got you. Um, and, and, again, you've got to have uh, permission from the state to do that. Well, really the feds. It's on federal land. But, okay, uh, all right. It, appear, it appears, yeah, we, we, have, we know some people at the BLM. And we're working on it. Okay. What What would you most like to see happen? What are you really shooting for? What's What's your goal? You're You're behind this story 100. percent You know where it is. What do you want to see happen? Finding the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine is a big deal, and you know it should bring you fame and fortune. But it, what really, I, I'm not interested. After three years, I'm not interested in it, and I'm I'm not possessed by the curse or whatever. <laughs> But the thing that I, I dread is the morning that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to read about one, two, or three people that die in the superstitions uh, looking for the lost Dutch Mugomai. Yeah. It's almost inevitable, inevitable. I know that day is coming and I'm dreading it. And I'm going to kick myself in the rear end and be mad at myself for not trying hard enough to get this story out to the public and get around the crooked media here in Arizona and the crooked people who are running this store, this state and stomping out this discovery uh, from ASU to the universities, to the state historic preservation society, secretary of state, state geologic survey. I could sit here for five minutes and give you a list of everything that we tried to do above table. But when you say you found the lost Dutchman gold mine, it's, it's a whole different world. Uh, it's too big almost. Pretty much all political. It's uh, I, I really haven't put my thumb on it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's uh, people, you know, I've approached a lot of people individually, and so a lot of these people are maybe just get afraid that it's too big. I, I don't know. I really I can't but I can't get it. The, the, it's such a big discovery. It, it, it's I can't. I don't understand. And, and I tell my customers this story. I show them the magazine article. I show them pictures of the ruins, statements by the president of ASU and the secretary. I show them all this. And they ask me, why, why are they doing this to you? Why, why aren't they telling this story? And I, I still don't know why. I, I really don't. You remember I, I told you early in this interview about uh, my interview with author Don Yost about the ancient Roman settlement that he found uh, in present-day Tucson, he had said that they had did all the. He had brought in a group. They did all the excavating. They got the pictures, the whole deal. They definitely found uh, ruins that date back to seven, eight hundred A.D. Uh, of a civilization there. And when he went to the university with that, uh, they they pretty much denied that he was right. And when he tried to get it placed in the state museum, they said, "No, we're not going to take uh, your artifacts." So the artifacts are now on display at some smaller uh, facility. Uh, it's either in Phoenix or in Tucson, but a place where you wouldn't ordinarily go. Uh, so I thought that was uh, kind of given the cold sh shoulder. 
I don't know what the deal is with the state of Arizona with what they consider to be legitimate or not. But there, I agree with you that there's definitely signs of early civilizations, signs of lots of mining, signs of lots of gold being pulled and silver being pulled out of the ground. And you're right about the superstitions not being gold-bearing mountains for the most part and a very unlikely place uh, for gold mines. Uh, for or well, for the Dutt, or for the lost Dutchman mine, for that matter. Well, well, this suppression of new discoveries is a global thing, and it's really nasty. Uh, you can find something incredible that rewrites history, and all the professors and historians will try to shoot you down. Uh, there's a there's an archaeologist uh, out of Bosnia, Samir Osmanovic, and he's found the largest pyramid in the world, and, and the pyramid of the sun, the moon, the earth. All, it, exact replicas of Egypt, but bigger. He's found pyramids in China, all over the world, but his, his stuff is being suppressed by the mainstream. Um, the the Karchner Cabins near Tucson took the guys who found it years to get it made a part of uh, Southwest history. It, you know, new history, you make waves with new history, and, and some people just don't want to do it, and I'm running into that, um, that kind of thing where... I've taken it to all the historians and archaeologists here, but someone is telling them, leave it alone. Uh, there's so much mysterious history in Arizona. There's the, the, if you Google uh, Egyptian artifacts found in the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. you'll see hundreds, you'll, have to, you'll find hundreds of websites. Uh, if you Google Circle Stone in the Superstition Mountains, you'll read about an ancient circle structure that a lot of people believe is Egyptian. And there are actually pictures of Egyptian brooches that have been found at that site. Yet no archaeologist, no university, nobody has ever done archaeology there, which to me is suspicious. And uh, so I, I, histori- history is controlled, and, and it's, it's a bummer. You know, I have to fight. I've been fighting for three years to get a Spanish fortress as big as a football field to be made visible to the people. And I, I can't do it. So <laughs> I'm failing so far. Well, I wish you, I wish you good luck uh, in that endeavor. How do people get in touch with you? How would you like people to get in touch with you by email? If you're trying to get the word out or if you're actually trying to get in to excavate or if you're trying to do a film documentary how can people get in touch with you if they want to support you in one way or another? Yeah, well, if I could, if I could have it done through you, if possible, if you could sift out the wheat from the chaff for me, that would be great. We we know where to stick the shovels in the ground. Be careful. I really don't know how to go about it. Is the truth? Okay. Maybe I should set up a, a, a site where people can send messages and I can retrieve them. Well, if anybody has any good ideas on how. Brian McDonough can go about getting support for this project. What you can do is leave us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash 1001 heroes. That's the best way to get in touch with me and I can forward that information to Brian. Uh, So that's, that's the way we'll handle that in terms of a little bit of help that we can give you. And just by the fact that this podcast is going to be out there and there's going to be a lot more people that know about it. So please do contact us at our, at our Facebook site at 1001 Heroes. Is that fair enough? Thank you, John. 
Big you time. bet. It's it's been uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I, Likewise, I very much. Uh, because you've kept your eyes open and you've got the direct experience, you really are in a good position here uh, to get some things done. I just hope you're able to um, move forward with your goals. I, I do remember a great story of the of Sam, Sam, Sam Bellamy's pirate ship called the Wida, and I believe it was spelled W-H-Y-D-A-H. He had traveled back to the New England coast, I think, to see his girlfriend, and the ship sank in a storm off the coast of Massachusetts. And a couple hundred years later, a treasure finder did find that ship. And uh, it was the find of the century. But he was to find out uh, that it, just to bring that ship up from the bottom was going to cost him more than the, all the gold on it was worth. <laughs> so it's one of those deals where, you, man, I can't wait to find that treasure. But then you find out, wait a minute, what do I have on my hands here? <laughs> you hit it right on the money. You, you, you. I'm laughing, and uh, you're giving me goosebumps, there, guy. Yep. That, you find the lost Dutchman gold mine, and uh, oh well. Yeah. Well, I do wish you the best of luck, and uh, it's been a, a a pleasure and a thrill speaking with you today. I know our listeners are going to enjoy this story, and uh, we do hope to get their feedback on it. And I wish you the very best of luck. And personally, Thank you. Thank you, if I come up with any, what I think are good answers or leads for you, I will definitely forward them to you. Thank you, sir. Your open-mindedness is uh, inspirational to me. So thank you, John. Thank you very much, Brian. Take care and good luck to you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.